are listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to episode 33, How to Keep the Reader in Mind. Hey everyone, I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Brianna Storm Hilvetti. I'm Josiah DeGraff. And I'm Gabrielle Pollock. And today we're dissecting another common writing tip keep the reader in mind. Almost any batch of storytelling advice you'll receive is going to be served with the side of, oh, and make sure you keep the reader in mind. But as with lots of these proverbs of the writing craft, there can be a little bit of a mystery around what they're actually trying to drive at or how they can be practically applied to our storytelling. So that's what we'll be trying to uncover with the phrase, keep the reader in mind today. We'll tackle what keeping the reader in mind looks like, which areas of writing craft this advice applies to, and the panelists will share some of the ways they keep the reader in mind when writing. So let's start with definitions. What does it mean to keep the reader in mind while writing, and why is it important that we do this? Well, when writers write, they're transferring ideas to the page. And oftentimes something gets lost in translation, but they don't realize it because they know the story and how it's supposed to work. So they automatically fill in those gaps, which could be as small as a character magically moving from one location to another, or as big as a plot hole that undermines your villain's character arc. Writers need to remember that readers can't read their minds. So aspects of the story that seem crystal clear to them may be blurry to readers. Writers have to step outside themselves and look at the story as if they're seeing it for the first time, which is really hard. And the reason it's important to have editors and beta readers involved in the project as well. One of the things I think is important to remember here is that communication is a two-way street. And oftentimes what words mean to certain words mean to one person doesn't necessarily come off the same way to the other person. A lot of fights and marriages, you know, can come from this. One partner says something to the other, you know, that is misunderstood. And there's a question of, well, when you said this, I thought you meant this and so on and so forth. Okay. As writers, I think it's important to remember that just because we know what our words mean when we use them, doesn't mean they're come off that way to readers. And, and we always, and we want to be, be thinking about, well, how does this word, how do these words come off to readers? Um, and how can I make sure that it's coming off to readers in the way that I intend it? I think the other place where this becomes important is not just in the words we use, but in our understanding of how they are experiencing the story. If you are writing a scene and it is meant to be, you know, I have, you know, I've seen some of these scenes before, you know, in really bad movies where the scene is written to be really cute, but the one guy just comes off as a creeper. Right. And so it's kind of, you know, gave, gave a bit of this horror vibe in here. We're like, this is not coming off in the way that the author intended. Okay. Or, or, or the screenwriter or whomever else, whether it's a book or a film. Um, and, and so I think it's important to remember that just because a scene is exciting to you doesn't always going to mean it's exciting to the reader. Just because the scene inspire you, know, you think that the scene is inspiring fear doesn't mean it actually will. Just because the scene is meant to be cute doesn't mean it will come off that way. And so I think it's important for us as writers to be able to hone the sense of understanding, well, how does this come across to the reader? Because just because you intended it to be this way doesn't necessarily mean that's how that's coming off on the page. 
Now, this might be a silly question, but who exactly is the reader you're keeping in mind in this instance? Because I've actually heard it a couple of different ways. Like, I've heard it described as your ideal reader, the person you want most to enjoy the book, or it could be the person who's most likely to read your book because of stuff like demographics and all that. So, yeah, this this might be an unnecessary distinction, but who is the reader when we're talking about keeping the reader in mind? So when I think of the reader, sometimes I think of it in the marketing sense. So like if you have ever written, say, a blog or something, you probably know that people try to encourage you to find your ideal reader so that the content you create interests and helps that reader. And so that's kind of what it's like for when you're writing. And to me, I think it could be helpful to think of your ideal reader as you, but not a writer, because you're the one who's going to be most interested in what you're reading or writing, excuse me, but you're going to be the one who's most interested. And there's other people out there like you that are interested in the things that you also enjoy or that you also struggle with. So if you're writing in a way, writing for for yourself or for a person like you, that's kind of your ideal reader. Yeah, the only thing I'd add is, you know, I I don't think I'd recommend overthinking this too much. While there are certainly different types of readers, um, I'd say that large we're talking about, you know, readers of your genre. Um, You know, if you you are are writing romance, you're not really writing for the avid horror reader or the average sci-fi reader and so on and so forth. But while everyone will bring their own things to the story, and it's important to get different perspectives to realize what those different things are. The I think the biggest divide is going to exist between you know just the writer and the reader. There will be differences from readers to reader, but the different greatest difference is always going to be between the writer and the reader. Because as a writer, you are going to know all the things that are going to happen in the story. You know what you're trying to get at. You have the story in your mind. The reader doesn't, and so it's a matter of understanding for people who do not know the story like I do. Am I communicating this well to them? And there will always be differences, but I think there are also a lot of similarities. Um, and so I wouldn't you know, overthink this one too much. Uh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So our next question is, in what stages of the writing process do you need to keep the reader in mind? Is this a first draft thing or a final draft thing or maybe somewhere in between? Well, You write the first draft mainly for yourself to explore where you want to go and just get the idea on paper where you can begin molding it. With each draft after that, you'll want to gradually think more and more about your target audience. So by the time you reach the point that you're working with a professional editor, you and your editor will be pretty much solely focused on shaping the story into the best product for readers. I would largely agree with that distinction. The one the one thing I'd add to that is while the first draft is largely going to be for yourself, I actually think there's value before you begin writing the first draft to be getting feedback on the concept itself and to be thinking about is the concept one that's attractive to readers. Um, I've been working with a couple different authors right now on a concept for a, a new book I'm going to be writing. And and the and you know, I haven't really gotten feedback on concepts before. You know, I generally tend to wait till after the second draft to get feedback. One of the things I've been finding as I've been getting feedback on the concepts, you know, which is largely aimed at, you know, how is this coming off to readers, is that you know, some of the different things that people are pointing out as they're giving me feedback, more feedback on the concept, is they're pointing out things that if I wrote the first draft would take a long time to go through and revise and fix. When you get those sorts of con- you know, that sort of feedback on the concept itself, 
it's saving you time because it's making sure that you have as solid of a foundation as you need before you write. So I so when you are writing the first draft, I would largely just write for yourself um, and write and revise for readers. But I would recommend looking for ways to get feedback on the concept because it is possible to begin a story with a concept you know, that just is going to be very hard to make attractive to readers or is just going to take a lot of work afterward when you realize some of the big glaring plot holes or character mishaps you might have. And so I think it's valuable to get that sort of feedback and be thinking about that during the conceptual phase as well. Those are some cool thoughts, guys. I kind of wanted to add that um, when you think of the reader, depends a little bit on your style of writing. I've been experimenting with pantsing because I'm a psycho. And so for me, since I'm writing really slow and I'm kind of feeling out every scene as I go, it can be helpful to think about the reader here and there when I'm considering how to write a scene or how to make something interesting. Because I know for me, as I pants or as I wing it, I don't want to just wander through a scene and kind of just write things and it's boring and no one cares. So sometimes keeping the reader in mind of being like, would a reader dig this? Helps me a little bit as I move along through my writing. But if you're, say, more a plotter, it might be helpful to think about a reader as you're adding events or creating a narrative that you don't want to be choppy or something like that. But if you're kind of a sensitive writer, if thinking about readers really puts a lot of pressure on you. Like Bree said, the first draft is for you. You can knuckle down on thinking about readers after that. I just wanted to add that one of the reasons why I said you write the first draft mainly for yourself is actually because I'm a pantser. And I personally, if I thought too much about readers when I was writing something, I would get writer's block that I'd probably never be able to break. So I think for pantsers, sometimes it might be better for them to focus just on the story and kind of experimenting and see where they want to go. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good thought. It's definitely a risk that when you think of readers too much, you freeze up, like Bree said, and you're like, oh, no, I can't write because readers are going to hate it. So, yes, perfect, Bree. Awesome. And leading off of that, is keeping the reader in mind only pertinent when trying to craft relatable characters or maybe plots people will find enjoyable? Like, in what areas of storytelling is it important to keep the reader in mind? Every detail. From the plot to the characters to where you place punctuation affects the reader's response to a story. The reason you should follow the conventions of grammar is not because it's good and proper, but because readers will get distracted and confused by things like dangling modifiers and missing punctuation. Even if you use a big fancy word correctly, if the average reader won't know its definition, they'll get yanked out of the story because of that too. And any moment that the reader pauses or gets frustrated is a moment they could decide to throw the book aside, which you don't want. There's a helpful analogy in The Editor's Companion by Steve Dunham that goes like this. Writing is like taking your reader on a canoe trip down a river. The reader will fetch up on the rocks every time. That is, every obstacle to communication, not only inappropriate profanity, but such things as an ambiguous sentence, incorrect punctuation, wrong word choice, or an extraneous argument, constitutes a rock in the river, waiting to rip the bottom out of the reader's canoe. One of the editor's tasks is to remove the rocks and so help the writer and reader to complete their journey uninterrupted. Mm. That sounds a bit what my experience canoeing on whitewater is like. <laughs> 
In addition to what you know, Brianna was pointing out, a couple areas where I think it's really important for authors to think about the, the reader's perspective. One of the biggest ones is with regards to characters, in terms of how does this character come across to readers, and especially is this character sympathetic enough? Is this someone that readers want to spend time with? Character craft is very difficult, and it takes a lot of work, and it is easy to write characters that might be fine on the page, but which really don't form a deep emotional connection with readers. And I think it's really important for for writers to really think about how they can craft a character that readers will be emotionally bonded and attached to, because that can make a world of difference with regards to how much a reader enjoys a story. Awesome sauce, guys. Um, I wanted to call back to what Brianna said about how thinking about readers can give you a motivation for good writing, basically at any stage, because you want to communicate clearly. You don't want your readers to get stuck on those rocks in the middle of the river. But I also think thinking of your reader can actually guard against perfectionism. I know we talked about just a couple minutes ago how thinking too much of your reader can really give your writer's block because you're stressed out. But not thinking about your reader at all can also make you get writer's block because you're stressed and you want to make everything perfect for yourself when sometimes you just need to write clearly. You don't need to write all this fabulous flowery prose and stuff. You just need something for the reader to understand. Well, that's nothing against flowery prose because I love flowery prose. It's beautiful. But sometimes you just need to let it go and not over edit. We'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. Have you ever wanted to know how to write a book readers will love? What if they told you how to do it? Story Embers community director Deus Lamb questioned almost 300 readers on what they look for and avoid in the stories they read, and he compiled his findings into a free comprehensive ebook called Ask the Reader. Filled with keen reader-led insight into how writers can craft better books, Ask the Reader is an invaluable resource for diving into the mind of readers and understanding what makes a story engaging. Download Ask the Reader for free through the link in this episode's show notes today. Welcome back to our discussion on how to keep the reader in mind while writing. So far, each of the panelists have shared their thoughts on the importance of keeping the reader in mind and when they think it's important to keep the reader in mind. But now it's time to move into one of the more practical sides. What are some tips each of you have for how authors can better get into the mind of their readers or make sure they're giving readers what they want? I think that one of the most important things that writers can do is simply to be more reflective readers. One of the things that I've, you know, that I've really worked on in order to improve my abilities in this front is just to pay attention when I'm reading to how do I respond to different elements of the story? How attached do I feel to the characters and why? How engaging do I find the story's plot and why? A couple of years ago, I decided that for a whole year, I was going to to take note, take you know, brief notes on every book I read that year, and that was back when I was reading a uh, hundred or so books books a year before I became a teacher and uh, significantly cut down my reading habit. And what I did that year is, after each book, I wrote, I made sure that I wrote down at least three or four things that I learned about the book from the way it handled its character, its plot, its theme, its prose, et cetera, whether good or bad. 
and what I could glean from that as a fiction writer. That is one of the places where I actually most learned the importance of crafting characters that the reader feels emotionally bonded to, was looking at well, what books do I really like these characters, what books do I not like these characters, and why was that the case? And so I think simply being more reflective on the stories you read and to be more conscious about the effect they have on you is really important. You are up till 2 a.m. Read a book because you can't put it down. Take some time to reflect. Why is it that you can't put that book down? What is this book doing that makes it engaging? And I think better understanding how you read as a person will help you be able to get in the reader's mind more easily when you're actually writing. As a line editor, I have a slightly different perspective on this. When I open a document for the first time, the question at the forefront of my mind is, how many words can I shave out of this piece without harming it? And everyone here at Story Embers can attest to this. Many of the articles and stories we published were 500 to 1,000 words longer before I worked on them. The reason that I treat conciseness as so crucial is because a reader's time is valuable and their attention span short, especially in the fast-paced age we live in. So every word must be weighed, and if it doesn't contribute to the piece, it needs to be removed or replaced. I mean, I've gotten frustrated when I've read material that meandered and took way longer than necessary to come to a point, because the time I spent reading those extraneous 500 words could have been invested in something else. Writers need to remember that their work will always be more powerful and memorable if they don't dilute it with unnecessary words that steal the reader's time. Thank you all for coming on, and thanks to all of you listeners who tuned in. What topics would you like to hear discussed on the podcast? Email us at info at storyumbers.org to let us know. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clarkson and Michael Stanton. Visit patreon.com slash storyumbers or follow the link in this episode's show notes to become a supporter and get access to exclusive Story Umbers updates, swag, and more. Finally, join me again on December 21st as Josiah, Hope, Rolina, and Deus tackle the power of subtext on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast.